Howdy, Ags. Welcome to Aggie Growth Hacks, the podcast sponsored by the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M. We are dedicated to helping entrepreneurs improve their business, connect with other Aggie entrepreneurs, and support one another. I'm your host, Greg Martin, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2001. And I'm your co-host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1998. Whoop. We got a little story for you, Ags. Chris Wilkie, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1997, is the Chief Product Officer of AKW Ventures a company that is on the cutting edge of helping businesses figure out how to integrate AI. As entrepreneurs, we have heard about the news of ChatGPT, OpenAI, and other platforms and how they're disrupting and changing business environment. And Chris is passionate about helping entrepreneurs harness and maximize this new amazing technology. So pass it back and listen up to Chris as he shares some really good bull. Well, welcome back, Ags. We have got an exciting episode for you today, one that I think that everyone is going to want to learn about and want to probably play over a couple different times. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. We are super excited to have you, super excited to pick your brain about what you're doing, but also the impacts of, of your work in today's world and, and as entrepreneurs. Uh, so thanks for being your, willing to share your, your time and your knowledge with us today. Thank you, guys for making this happen. Awesome. Well, Chris, let's kind of jump right in. I know that we talked a little bit uh, before recording. Uh, you have been a serial entrepreneur starting ha having a startup while you were at AM. But tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. Tell us what you're doing right now, what's exciting, and how are you helping clients? Well, entrepreneurial journey kicked off uh, 1993. I was a freshman at Texas A&M, living in Walton Hall, fourth floor D-Ramp. In uh, January 1993, Mark Andreessen released the Mosaic web browser. Uh, I was in the lab. I think I browsed all 800 sites on the internet that day. And <laughs> you found the was, end of the internet? <laughs> I was like, this thing is going to be a big deal. My brother, who's a lot smarter than I am and a couple of years older than I am, although he may deny that, uh, is a physician. And so I called him and uh, he and his business partners started to look at ways to leverage the internet. So we built a uh, software as a service platform in the clinical trials industry. Uh, so we started that at really in 95, gained traction in 97. Uh, and then it started to grow. Uh, eventually uh, got acquired by a competitor in 2006. So that's, that's where it all kicked off is enterprise software for clinical trials while living in uh, Walton. <laughs> wow. So, so, so were you part of the, uh, the bonfire load every single fall with, with running a company? We, uh, we, I was working a lot of hours. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, spent, uh, those early mornings with ax sandals driving out to the site. Of course we had to just throw the logs over the truck. So not a, not a lot of cutting though. That's um, kind of where we started. And, and then now I basically did enterprise software for, you know, 25 years life science, uh, upstream oil and gas. And now I'm consulting with executive teams kind of as a fractional chief technology officer, really shaping primarily AI strategies for the company and, and helping them implement those. Love it, Chris. That's pretty awesome. So one of the things that we love to ask here, because we are Aggie Growth Tax, we are Texas A&M you know, centered. What is the one thing that you learned at A&M that can be that was helpful for you as an entrepreneur. You know, I think the the one thing that A&M taught me is work for something bigger than yourself. So the education is fantastic. The engineering department was great, but there's something about A&M where you show up and you have this feeling of contributing 
to something larger. So whether it's the 12th man or big event or Aggie muster, uh, it's, it's really that culture that you walk away with to say, okay, that's, that's a special place. And I, I think that's something that is ingrained in A&M that, that I took away that's special. I think that, that Chris, you encapsulated probably one of the best ways that I've ever heard a significant part of the Aggie spirit, you know, to be able to, to give, to have selfless service, to be able to, to, to give to something bigger than you, but then realize that you're a team player in that and to, to really support that whole, that, that whole atmosphere. That that's awesome. I'm excited to hear about your company. I'm excited to hear about what you got going on because AI has really probably within the last year or so taken this world by storm and you're you're living in the heart of it. So before we dive into the specifics of your company, tell us a little bit about the biggest challenge that maybe you've you've had in the last six to twelve months, you know, because this this company that you're working on, it's a relative startup. Is that correct? That, that's that's correct. So I, I transitioned out of uh, an, another startup really in June of 2023, and so yeah, we are we are launching uh, as we speak. You know, and I think you know a, a challenge really in any company. You know, when I've worked in the software company, it's fun to go build the product, but I think uh, a lot of people forget about sales and marketing. Right, sales and marketing is so critical to success. I think for a lot of technology companies, it, it becomes an afterthought. Right, and so that that's what I usually see as the the largest challenge is the sales motion and prioritizing that. So if you're a product leader or technology leader, uh, you've got to really make sure you're locked in with the sales team. So that's mm-hmm. that to me is always the largest challenge. You can have a great product, could be five years ahead of its time, and you can get outsold. And so that's what you got to keep your eye on, in my opinion. I'm sure so. one of the two podcasts, has, his, his ears perked up at that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. go, you know, don't, don't a, uh, go get help. <laughs> yes. Right. And that was a lesson I, I, I learned a long time ago because we built uh, software, you know, for our company way back in the day, early 2000s. And we built it for a market that, that didn't really exist. And then we went to go try to sell it and couldn't sell it. So, you know, my biggest lesson there was sell it first and then build it. <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that's great advice, right? Yeah. It's, uh, and it's always easy to, you know, let me add another feature. Let me tweak this. And then, right. If, if, if you go and pitch that idea and people are willing to commit dollars, it's usually a, a great, strong leading indicator. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's dig in a little bit on on AI because, you know, before we started talking here, we, we were talking a little bit about how you're helping your clients with AI and AI strategies. You know, why don't you talk a little bit into that and really how you're helping your clients, you know, with AI and, and implement these strategies? Yeah. So what happened was we had a problem inside our own company when the AI wave hit and we're like, okay, how do we digest this? And so what we did is we put together an AI roadmap for how we're going to enable our company to take advantage of this and to stay in front of it. So as that roadmap developed, that's now what I'm helping companies do is leveraging that same roadmap. So, uh, you know, it really consists of getting educated and educating the management team and then the, the groups and then defining what problems you're going to try to go solve. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, kind of walking people through a process to pilot that, you know, evaluate it with metrics to make sure you're actually getting a return on the investment. And then when you do, 
you go through the exercise okay. of operationalizing it, scaling it, and then and then having to govern the technology. So really what we're trying to focus on is sit down with customers and say, what solutions that are customer facing that you want to change uh, with these AI capabilities? And then what can you do internally with your operations to gain efficiency that are not necessarily customer facing? And then and then just back down to blocking and tackling of getting that prioritized and, and executing it. So that's where we're focusing all of our energy right now. But Chris, the answer to those problems or those questions has, in some ways, I can see it be radically different from industry to industry. In some ways, business is business. I mean, you sell stuff, you got to know what your cost is, you sell it for more than your cost, you make money, you keep reinvesting, you move on. But is there an industry that you're really honing in on or that, that you're working with that is ma- getting maximum value of their work with you? You know, there's a, a great report from McKinsey and Company. Uh, and so they put out like their little consulting matrix, like a kind of like that magic quadrant type thing. And what they've done a good job of is they're estimating that the annual economic impact of generative AI alone is going to be in the neighborhood, upwards of the neighborhood of $4.4 trillion annually. And so then they said, all right, where is most of that immediate short-term value? And what is the cost to go get that? And things that were in that top quadrant of biggest value for the lowest price, basically the biggest bang for your buck. Sales and marketing uh, was at the top of that list because it's a lot of content generation. It's templated. It can be automated. So that's that's a quadrant that people are working on. Uh, software development is another one. So it costs a little bit more to do that. But having seen what AI can do in the software world, it is truly transformative. It's going to speed your development time significantly. And then uh, I'm also working with 100% pure consulting firms. And so if you think about the consulting process and the delivery of knowledge, a lot of that is process-oriented and template-oriented. And so you can now really what I what I classify as the three A's, you can augment consultants' thinking, you can accelerate the work that they're delivering. And then once you have that rolling, then you can actually move into the the heavier lift of automating that end-to-end process. I think sales, marketing, software development, consulting, those are immediate impact areas areas that you can take advantage of like right away. For sure. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that we've been working on, you know, in our own firm, right, at Marketing Heroes for the past year and a half is is really building AI into those workflows, you know, and and speeding yeah. us up so that we can help our clients faster, right? So is there any kind of this is this is going to be a loaded question here because okay you know there's there's literally a million tools being added it seems like every single day right this is very much reminds me of 1998 everything was so fast paced at that time in in the internet industry and things were just coming out left and right all of these all of these new companies anyway so what is are there any specific set of tools or a specific tool that you are currently looking at using and, and helping to really uh, have your clients use like OpenAI or, or ChatGPT specifically, or, you know, there's a million tools out there. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of categorize it into three big areas. So, and I think, think about it from the user's perspective. So you've got what I'll classify as takers. So the, these are everyday users that walk up to ChatGPT, log in through the public interface and and use that. So they're just consuming that software. Uh, Then you've got shapers. These are people that can do some programming, bring data to the models and do kind of mashups of capabilities. And so that's a smaller group of users. And then you've got your makers. These are your hardcore 
AI technologists, let's say working at OpenAI or Anthropic. So as far as toolkit, Claude 2 and ChatGPT are great public interfaces to start in. I will always raise my hand to say, if you have intellectual property or private information, uh, don't just dump that directly into a public interface. Uh, yeah. Then uh, on the marketing front, uh, I don't use it a lot, but like Jasper AI, you've got a lot of content marketing type tools uh, that are available. Uh, and then what I'm seeing, where I'm focusing my time is really in the shaper market. So the open source community, just like in the internet days, is really coming along to support these technologies. So there's a framework called Langchain, which lets you do prompt chaining and connects into documentation and third-party API services. It's a really nice framework for bringing AI capabilities inside the enterprise in a customized way. So that's that's where I'm focusing is like Langchain, Langsmith. Of course, Microsoft has invested you know over $10 billion, not only in OpenAI, but all their infrastructure. So they're making all these enterprise services uh, come to life inside of Azure. So you know, I keep a close eye on what they're doing as well. They're doing, doing some pretty impressive work there. So, Chris, you, you, I think that you stated something that should be fairly obvious, I hope, to everybody, especially if you're in that first subset, which I, I really haven't even played around much with it, but I, I would be, and that you don't want to dump confidential information. You don't want to kind of say, okay, here's some proprietary information because once it's there, then that knowledge is to the collective, I'm assuming. But what are... What are some obvious or maybe some other not so obvious risks that we need to be aware of when even thinking about any type of AI? Yeah, I, th- I think the one risk that people that's pretty visible, but it's always worth restating is the hallucination risk. So that's, you know, you put something into ChatGPT and it will very confidently return a result that may or may not be true. And so there are a lot of prompting techniques to ensure that that doesn't happen. But if you're new to the systems and you're just throwing things in... So an example I'll give in a presentation is I'll have it write a an intro to a new dissertation and reference article, research articles, and it will create perfect references to re- reference articles with page numbers, citations, and none of it exists, right? So I kind of force it to hallucinate just to show the example. So that's the, so one risk is hallucinations. I think the other really second and larger risk right now are deep fakes. And so like I'm, I'm, I'm on a, a mission to educate people, my kids, my parents, everybody, pretty much everything that you see from today going forward, you have to assume to be fake, right? You can very That's easily- That's a little cynical, but <laughs> it's <laughs> cynical, but real. So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an optimistic person, uh, but also you have to recognize and face reality. So like you think, I, you know, you think about good to great and the Stockdale paradox and good to great, where they talk about not losing hope, but recognizing the reality of your situation. Uh, so I'm not losing hope. I think this is going to do a lot of great stuff. But the reality of the situation is I can, from this podcast, clone your voice, take a still picture of you, and then I can give a presentation as you with your voice with free software. Ooh. And it's very easy to do. You have to assume in today's <clears throat> social media environment, which has already been polarized over you know a decade of AI algorithms feeding us news, that's now going to become exasperated with, I don't even know if the video that I'm seeing is real. And so just my request is, hey, everybody, be humble, be patient, give people the benefit of the doubt, and then go make sure your sources are good. So 
All right, going back to the whole shaper idea there, if I'm going to go and I'm going to say, all right, I'm going to create an app that's going to do X, Y, and Z for my clients and and to speed us up, right? Without giving like proprietary information into a... A, a public forum, right? What mm-hmm. what are you recommending to start with? All right. So so the tools that our toolkit's going to be uh, you know, like Python programming language, uh, Langchain. So Langchain is really good. It'll connect to all kinds of different documents, PDFs, PowerPoints, Word docs, images, third-party systems, Slack, you know, all this different stuff. Then as you ingest that content, it gets what's called vectorized into a your private database. So that data is safe in that you're paying to communicate to it via the application programming interface. And what that means is OpenAI or the other big systems are not going to store your information. They're not going to retrain on it. And you'll get results exactly from your documentation. All right. So how do you put this into practice? There's um, actually uh, what I saw is uh, like say like Discord. So Discord, if you're not familiar with that, is like a big like chat forum uh, where you can talk about things in, in, in a thread. And so you may have 40,000 users in there talking and chatting and they ask you a question. Well, you can create an AI chat bot, train it on your proprietary information, watch that question come in, ask it of your system. It will formulate an answer in your voice and then respond with your specific proprietary information back to the user. If it doesn't have an answer from your system, it can go query the web, find the answer, translate it into your voice, and then provide the answer. Right. So it just sits there and watches what's going on, and then it's connected to all these systems, and you can do really amazing things that way. You know, another another example is in, in Microsoft and Google will will eventually evolve to this, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, but there are tools out there. One's called Relevance.com, I believe, which is like an online spreadsheet, and they've got hooks to talk to AI. So, think about from a sales perspective: you dump in all of your prospects into column A. The AI queries the web, finds their domain name finds their key staff, queries their LinkedIn profile, writes a customized email for that person based on what you're trying to help them with. And so now you can have a thousand customized emails in 30 seconds, all done rapidly. Right. So you're going to get all these mashups. And this is where the shaping takes place to really leapfrog new capabilities. And, you know, I can go on and on. It's like uh, writing an RFP. So if you've been in the enterprise space, you get a request for proposal and it's this six different PDF files that are 80 pages. Well, you can now distill that, parse through it, write your annotated outline of, you know, how you're going to respond to that. I mean, it's just, it just accelerates our work so much. Right. So you can, your bandwidth increases. So then how do you, if you're using that or if you're receiving, let's just use the RFP as an example. So let's say that that I've put out an RFP and people are, are you know, soliciting or they're, they're, they're coming back with their submissions. How do I, is it just a simply a matter of just taking that at face value or is there is there risk that if someone used an AI software to, to fill that out, that there's something in that RFP that that customer or that that vendor really can't provide or anything. I mean, I I guess the vendor needs to to double check their work before they submit it. But it, it seems like if it if it's too easy, there's things that are going to slip through the cracks. Yeah, and, it, and it's it's not a silver bullet, and it doesn't replace the people. You know, it's it's definitely augmenting right how we work. So you you know are still in the driver's seat. You're still pushing the the wind themes and where you want to go and how you want it to work. This just 
accelerates how you do that. All right, you you still have to check it. You still have to kind of go section by section. It's it's not it's not a magical just do everything for you. Not it's not that sophisticated yet. Now will it's it mature? It's getting close, but uh, getting we're close. not we're not there yet. <laughs> we're not we're not there yet. You know another like you know like as far as like emerging technologies, there's one called Chat Dev. And then Microsoft has a similar product called Autogen. And so if you've read about this, you can actually create multiple AI agents. So to simplify the thinking, just think about building your company. You know, you've got a CEO, CFO, uh, head of product, you know, software developers, quality control engineers, documentation technical writers. So you can create digital AIs to perform all of those roles and orchestrate them working together. So I think you're going to see that start to emerge at an enterprise level. So you can create your content marketing generation team, and it will go through and do the initial research, the initial writing, the initial editing, the drafting, getting it all teed up. And then we get to come in and kind of curate that and pick what we want to actually put into the queue for publishing. And we can do that for content writing, software generation, consulting work, fractional CFO world, like you know, public audit, I think will change significantly. You're going to see a massive change in how, how work is performed. Our next question is typically revolving around you know where you want to go as a company, but I'm going to switch it up a tiny bit here. Okay. Okay. All right, so bear with me. Where do you see AI in five years, right? 10 years? from now, mm. right? Uh, we talk about our big, hairy, audacious goal, our five to 10 year moonshot. Where do you see AI in the future here? Yeah, I. it, it is hard to anticipate the future at today's current rate of change but you know I'll equate it to I'll equate it to the web so when you so when I when you see the web when I saw the web browser for the first time what it did is it put an interface where normal non-tech people could interface with the network right mm -hmm. so in 93 I'm like okay this is going to change marketing it's going to change distribution it's going to change communication you know, I didn't in 93 anticipate it's going to change purchasing, right? And how we buy, right? Storefronts for, you know, Amazon versus Sears. So with, with AI, it will surely accelerate what we do uh, as far as having like a personal companion that really understands what you're trying to do, uh, what your role is, start to anticipate your needs. Five years from now, I think we'll have, I think the autonomous agents will be working really well. So this is going to enable small business to operate at scale 10 years from now. It's, it's really hard to know. I think the big thing that people talk about is AGI and uh, artificial general intelligence. And, you know, so it's, it's hard to know what that inflection point is. Uh, when I think about the big, hairy, audacious goal, I think that, you know, one of the things we need to get in front of is this is just a tool, right? And so, you know, when I think about a brick or money, right? And so, you know, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not money is evil. It's how we use money that can be evil, right? So it's it's the problem in our heart. AI is the same thing. It is this magnificent, super powerful tool that can be used for good and bad. And because of the magnitude of its impact is why we have to be why, why it's in the forefront of a lot of conversations and potential government regulation. It's, it's because it's, it, it's, it's a massive impact, right? That allows bad people to do things really quickly, but it also lets good people do amazing things really quickly. Okay. So, so before we roll into the lightning round, I've, I've got to ask, <laughs> what, what, what is the real risk of Terminator actually happening? 
for me, it's low, low, low risk right now, right? Because you can just you know unplug the computer or shut down the internet. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I you know the the end of the world through AI taking over, you know, I think is a super low risk. I think what is a much larger real risk is how people use this. That's what I would try to keep my eye on, right? All right, so Skynet, we're cool. No problem. I think we're here. cool for at least. I'm sure yeah. if you're listening to this, no, no, no hey, problems. But. And if I'm wrong, then you know it's not going to matter. So there you go. It's, it's not going. It's not going to matter. <laughs> well, Chris, let's pause a second for a message from this episode sponsor. Okay, we're back. So we're going to roll right into our lightning round. One rule. Uh, try to answer each of these questions in one minute or less. Uh, we are Aggie Growth Hacks, so we would love to hear about a personal hack that you use to help you and your family in your your personal life. Okay, uh, personal hack uh, with four kids batching lunches on Sunday so that you don't have to make them every morning on the personal side. Absolutely love that. Or, or in in my instance, I have a 15 year old. Fight the 15 year old so that he makes his lunch every morning. Okay. Every morning. Yeah, that's okay. You 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 got the moonshot. You're doing great. <laughs> okay, so what is your favorite business hack, book, or podcast? Business hack. I, I I'm a fan of the entrepreneurial operating system. If you're trying to grow and scale a business, I think I think that's a that's a good one. You know, I think anything from uh, Patrick Lencioni is, is a good book to read. So I'm, I'm a fan of both of those. 100. percent And <laughs> anyone listening to Aggie Growth Hacks knows what EOS is, and, uh, and knows that we're both firm believers in that as well. Uh, Chris, what is the best bit of advice that you've been given, and how have you applied it? I think you know I'm, I'm going to. St- steal from Peter Drucker on that one. So I think the one of the key things I remember reading from him is uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. So you have to have smart people. You've got to be strategic. But if your team is not healthy, it doesn't matter. Right. So I think having a strong culture is is key. So uh, definitely not that I'm perfect at this in any way, but you really want to focus energy on creating an, a healthy environment where people can work together so you can then go execute the strategy. So, All right, Chris, how can the Aggie Growth Hacks family get in touch with you and how can we support you moving forward? Oh, thanks for that question. So uh, you can find me uh, at my website, which is just chriswilkie.net. Uh, also on LinkedIn uh, are the two best ways to get in contact with me via email or just direct LinkedIn contact. And as far as supporting, uh, right now I've got uh, a backlog, but I've got two open slots. If anybody's looking for strategic AI strategy shaping and implementation in any business. So we will always gladly open a conversation to see if there's a way that we can uh, help somebody that's got got, got a business that wants to grow. Awesome. Well, Ags, this is a brave new world, and to have a fellow Aggie kind of kind of help lead you through it, um, is, this is really exciting. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and and just openness to say, okay, this is something that every needs everybody needs to be aware of, and let's see how we can work together. So. Thank you for your willingness to join us today. Yeah. Thank you guys for putting it together. Well, how about that, Ags? Was that pretty awesome or what? I know that I geeked out a ton on all of that AI talk and all that kind of stuff because we've been deep into it in our own agency. But what was your biggest takeaways there, Greg? 
Well, a couple of things that really came across is is really impactful to me. One, he talked about working and being part of something bigger than yourself, but he also talked about how culture is so important and culture eats strategy for breakfast. And that's something that we've heard time and time again from other Aggie entrepreneurs that culture and the values that you have are so important. And you know, really to kind of hear that even in a world of literally cutting edge technology, the fact that you have to have culture on on your side and working through it as critical. That's so amazing. What about you? No, I, I totally agree with you on that. And, and so mine, you know, is something that we've talked about a lot here on Aggie Growth Hacks. And one of the biggest trends that I have seen with uh, all of these successful Aggie entrepreneurs here, and that's EOS. His, his business yeah. hack was EOS, Entrepreneur's Operating System. And if you don't know what EOS is, or you haven't implemented EOS in your organization, you're missing out. And it's not a software program. A lot of people, you know, hear, hear operating system and they think that's it's it's a, a you know, a, it's like Windows or Apple or whatever, you know, iOS or something like that. It's not that. It's it's literally a framework for you to implement into your business. And I have seen it time and time and time and time again, you know, we have implemented it in our own own organizations, right? And and, and it's it's life-changing for the entrepreneur for sure because it takes you and it, and it builds your organization into what you originally envisioned it to be, right? Um, we don't all get into doing this just so that we could have another job, right? Uh, we, right? we get into being an entrepreneur for the freedom of it and and for the lifestyle and for you know the money possibly and, and stuff like that. But a lot of times businesses will take over our lives and we, you know, EOS is a way to keep that from happening and to give you a framework for a business. And I highly, highly recommend it. And I 100% agree with Chris that that is business, his business hack. Preach it, brother. That, that's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll, I'll get off my, my stool now, right? <laughs> no, that's, that's okay. But also, Ags, Chris gave some really cool AI tools and stuff like that to start exploring. And I'm not, I'm not an AI geek. I'm not, I, I don't understand all this stuff, but I, I do see the impact and definitely in my business and Chris businesses in your business, AI is going to, is going to impact it and it's going to shape it. So if you're not educating yourself on this, then you need, need, you need to, or at the very least, you need to reach out and you need to connect with Chris and, and learn about what he and his company are doing and how you guys can maybe work together. That's going to do it for this episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. We hope that you really enjoyed it. Hope you learned a lot like like Chris and I did. If you're not connected with Chris Wilkie, make sure that you you do that. If you're not connected with Chris Hunter, make sure that you connect with him and connect with Aggie Growth Hacks. And while, while you're on the web, check out aggiegrowthhacks.com where you can hear this episode as well as all of our other previous episodes. We want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M University. Since 1999, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship has served as the hub of entrepreneurship for Texas A&M. If you're an Aggie entrepreneur or even a wantrepreneur, head over to their website to find a program that's right for you. Just go to aggiegrowthhacks.com forward slash McFerrin right now. Well, Ags, join us next time when we connect with another great Aggie entrepreneur and learn how they hack their growth. Until then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and gig em. Whoop!